This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With Pasternak, Pasternak's blast, scores! David Pasternak! Back home's drive, save, rebound, Smith and Rask, Rob Smith in close. Tuka Rask coming up big on the penalty kill. With Bjork into the middle for Krejci, back to even straight. Jake DeBrusk is on the board! His first National Hockey League goal! The Bruins lead 2-1. And Louie loves it! Hey, the tough guy sheds a tear. Your son makes the National Hockey League and scores in his NHL debut. Good for you, big man. Krejci, Krejci cuts back. Bjork, now McAvoy scores! Charlie McAvoy! Defense to offense transition, and the kids have Boston up by two. And an empty netter. Brad Marchand from the Bruins zone with a dagger. Hold off Nashville to win the season opener, 4-3. And welcome to the first Bruins beat of the regular season here. Well, I guess we did one as the season was coming upon us, but this is the first Bruins beat of the 2017-18 season here on CLNS Media. Jimmy Murphy here with Joe Gill. And uh, Joe, uh, the Bruins, one and one out of the gate. As we record, they're, uh, they're taking the ice in uh, Colorado for warm-ups, I believe, or maybe in a, in a bit they are. And uh, they'll be taking on the Avalanche again, who they lost to in the second game oh. of the season on Columbus Day, 4 to nothing. They did, however, win their season opener against the defending Western Conference champion, Impressive as hell. Nashville Predators. Uh, it, it, yep. was a, it was a it was a good win. It was very exciting. I, I, I saw a lot of things I liked. But, you know, one thing we notice all the time, Joe, especially in hockey, is you got to pay attention to the ends of games. And oh, for sure. there were a lot of things at the end of the game that, like, you were like, oh, well, these are the things we're going to have to sort of trade off for all the excitement we're seeing. And that's well, fine. Yeah, but, I, mean, last but I, think it, I think it carried over. You see this happen a lot, especially in hockey. It carried over into Monday. And, and I, I think that the Bruins were flat. I mean, day games are tough to get up with. But I think they were they were flat as a result of the way they finished the game before. There were a lot of flaws that were sort of creeping out. And I think they were exposed by... By all accounts, is not that great a Colorado team, but they are two and one as they head into the battle Wednesday night. Well, it, it got a little hairy at the end of that Nashville game. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, yeah. but and I'm just talking about what? you know the turnovers at mid ice. You saw a lot yeah. of that against Colorado. You know, yeah, the, the last minute, the last minute goals and periods, which just drives me to kind no end. Drives me fucking bananas when they do that. Crazy because you fall asleep at the wheel. That's what you're doing. Yeah, you know. Um, the Colorado game, I had, an, I had, well, fortunately, I had a run hours. I could not see the game. But uh, when it was a 4 nothing shutout, I, I just knew the Tuka Rask hate, hate train was coming into the station. Game, huh? I, heard he played, I heard he played pretty shitty, but I, I'm, I'm also was, was uh, pulled. I, I, wouldn't pulled. Say, I wouldn't say that. He, he, he had an off game, but it was, it was by no means his fault. There was one but goal that was his fault. That's it. All team sucks. So... What, what, my thing to – I actually had a uh, – this is Guy Ryan who's actually in my chat room too who actually hates Rass to no end. And I said, you know what, um, if you're going on the uh, premise that Rass sucked then you should bench the whole team and you can play one on six versus Colorado. So see how that goes. I mean that's, that's just – no one has – everybody bitches and nobody has any solution. So come to me with a solution and then we'll – it's like when you, you know work in corporate America. If there's a problem. They don't want to know there's a problem. They want to know how you're going to fix it. So, you know, all you Rask haters, come and fix it and let me know how you're doing. Because Malcolm Subban ain't going to save you. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I don't know. I, I think it's two, it's two games in in a season. People got to chill, and they definitely got to chill on Rask. I mean, you know, I, I'm looking at it. People are going to say, yeah, well, he blew that goal where he came out of the crease and he tried to race yeah. down Yakupov. Yeah. You know what? I don't blame him there. I blame Jake DeBrusque. Jake, Jake, Jake DeBrusque is the one who coughed it up and made that play develop. And I, Rask is, you know, that's kind of a 50-50 shot you're taking there anytime a goalie comes that far out. He believed in himself. He took a gamble, he lost. End of story. I don't blame Rask on that goal. I blame Rask, though, on the first goal where he basically just like like he hadn't gone into the game yet and went to glove it and it just trickled off his glove and into the net. You know, he's going to have to have a little more concentration there. But so are the youth on his team, Joe. I mean, and, and I think the Bruins know that. They understand. They're ready to be patient. We'll see. We'll see, though. If they go into like a 10-game losing streak, we'll see how patient they are. But, right. you know, I, I, I think there's sort of this, you know, let's let's see how these kids develop. Let's see how it goes attitude, and hopefully we can compete. And they're not setting unrealistic expectations. And, and Joe, I had a chance to uh, go one-on-one with Don Sweeney last week at Media Day. Uh, and we're going to play that interview for you right now. We'll warn our listeners. Uh, some construction going on at Warrior Arena. Oh, there. my God. I heard that. I was yeah. like, what's going on? Thank God it's not. I don't have to sleep near there or something. Oh, my God. It was oh, God. Hey, but you know what? I you know applaud, applause to Donnie because he just went and stride with it. He spoke up yeah. for you and all that. And I thought he was, he was pretty forthcoming and honest and yep. um, you know really gave some thoughtful, insightful answers. So we're going to play that interview for you right here. Here you go. What was the key for you? Let's just say, for example, last year through the coaching change and everything, for you to be able to maintain your plan? Well, it, it definitely starts with the communication and it starts with the support. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've tried to effectuate what the plan was and uh, you know, clearly you go through some twists and turns as a result of, you know, we tried to remain competitive. We've always felt that we had a core group that, that mm-hmm. deserved that, and uh, but also getting to be deeper. And that was all part of it, you know. Charlie and some of these guys coming online, yeah, that's what we're hoping for. Um, they dictate the trajectory of it. So at times you do have to, you know, sort of just grin, grin and bear it to tell you the honest truth, James. Like you just, you know, you know the noise is coming. Um, I created some of that. I, I understand, you know, some of the decisions we've made, I knew they would reverberate to some degree. Uh, but, you know, the path has sort of been laid out and, you know, can we hope to accelerate it? Of course. You know, we're hoping to be able to, you know, our core guys want to win. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's all about. It's, at the end of the day, it's about winning. Hey, you say the support there. There's a template sort of across the NHL for GMs, the five-year plan, so to speak. You're in the third now. Do you think if you don't make the playoffs last year, you're still here? I mean, do you like uh, to feel it? I don't speculate on that. To tell uh-huh. you the honest truth, I set a course to, you know, to take advantage of an opportunity that I was presented with that I felt that I had earned. Mm-hmm. Nobody deserves it, but you felt you had earned. And, and if it happens, you know, you have the success, then that's great. I've also kept it in mind that most of the time these jobs don't end well. <laughs> There's an end yeah. point at some yeah. point for everyone. Yeah. I just expect us to, you know, to have the success along the way that I, I plan to have. I felt that way as a player. There was a thing, you know, there was a sense around the city, maybe maybe we created, what have you. But that the culture was sort of going the wrong way, that the team was heading the wrong way. And yet, if you really pay close attention, I talk to scouts sometimes, who a lot of them speak pretty highly of you. Um, it wasn't. It was, this was a plan, and it was in place. How did you help the team as a whole, whether it be Bruce after the coaching change or that the players just sort of maintain that atmosphere that we are heading in the right direction to the point where you have a player like Pasnick who wanted to sign here? Communication is probably the, uh, the area that, you know, you need to be very cognizant of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the players have questions they want access. You can't give them all, uh, you know, the information, the details. But uh, making sure they understood what we were trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. you know. Is it at the pace that they would like? Maybe not. Um, and continuing to make sure, you know, Pasternak's a good example. But, you know, it was... It was asked two years ago at the draft, well, that means you're moving so-and-so to go get a defenseman and so on. And it's, I kept saying, like, we, we, we're trying to find, you know, really talented young players that want to play here, just like mm-hmm. Bergie, just like Kretsch. We, when we've done it really well, Marsh, every one of those players have moved through the course that you're just striving. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted to get back to. I wanted players excited about about the next guy coming and, and, and you know, um, 
and that's part of it. The culture piece, uh, you know, we're very fortunate to have Zidane and Bergie and Marsh growing into that role, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and real players that, you know, you look at Kevin Miller and Adam McQuay, two character guys that, uh, that take a lot of heat, but boy, oh boy, they show up every day, you know, wanting to win and, and to try and get better, and that helps Brandon Carlo. Mm -hmm. and, you know, all those guys get in a position where they can succeed. You mentioned sort of that, that leadership core that has developed. What kind of role did they play in that, and how grateful were you for that last year? Well, I call it investment. You know, they've invested in this organization, mm -hmm. and, and I want to prove to them uh, that we were invested to, to be the best organization we could be from top to bottom. That meant improving, you know, areas of this facility, where mm -hmm. the investment came in. That meant adding to our medical staff and improving there. That meant, you know, whatever little, small little detail that we could try to, you know, realize that there was a mutual investment going on. And I think our players, you know, as I've, as I've recognized to them, you guys have invested. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure we're always matching that. And, and the, the kids youngest player coming in yeah. realizing how they've invested and how much more they need to put forth mm -hmm. to be the player and to be the organization that, that, that hopefully we aspire to be. Do you think that's a reason that, I mean, I, I don't see what's behind closed doors, but it seemed to go smoother than expected, the transition from Claude to Bruce mid-season. Is that one of the reasons you think, because you had that veteran core in place? Uh, I, I think they deserve a tremendous amount of credit. They, they really did. And, and you're, you're talking about players that, in they Brad's case, had become never played. Friends with him. Yeah. But they had never, he had never played for another NHL coach. Yeah. That is, and they've won a Stanley Cup with that coach. Yeah. Uh, you know, Claude's a damn good coach. And uh, our, our players were, there was a shock associated with it. They took ownership of some of it, you know, feeling like, as I did when I played for different coaches, and realizing that I was part of the, mm -hmm. you know, you want to be part of the solution, you understand you're also part of the problem. Yeah. Because, you you know, you weren't as good as what, what maybe you were capable of being. And uh, and I think our, our players themselves and our leadership deserves a tremendous amount of credit for, for, for getting us through that. And just one more question for the back. You mentioned all these young players coming in. How impressed have you been with your scouting staff that you've assembled? And, you know, the guys that are out there, the bird dogs, watching these kids and, you know, just bum fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's clearly, you know, one of the hardest jobs, if not the hardest job in, in, in hockey. And I think all sports face mm. it, you know, and, and they, they're underappreciated to a large degree. You try to communicate with them uh, that they are doing a great job and, and try to encourage them to realize you find a guy like Anders in the fifth round, man, look how impactful it potentially, again, potentially can be mm -hmm. for an organization. You make the right decisions, you feel really good as an organization that it was a collaborative effort. And, I, and I've been tried to realize that every little detail that they're bringing to the table adds to, you know, to hopefully us making the best decision. So, you know, I mean, look, Joe, as I, as I said to him there, and I admitted it, we were part of it. I mean, a lot of people were all over them last year. A lot of people have been all over Don Sweeney since he took the job, me being one of them at times. But, I, you know, one thing I try to do, and I, I think you do too, I've noticed, is you give credit where credit's due. And, and the guy blocked out a lot of noise. He stuck to his guns. Yep. I don't know how, but he appears, and, and I don't think it's just, you know – him saying it publicly, but not really telling the truth. I, I, it appears that, you know, Neely and Jacobs are not taking, I won't say a hands-off, but they backed up approach. And that's going to help the Bruins right now in the situation they're in because, like we said before, they got to wait and see, have some patience, and see where it goes. What was your take on that? Well, I mean, as you said, it's five-year plan, right? So it's, what year are we in now? Three? This is three, third year, yep. Okay, so, um, you know... After the Bruins, you know, after the uh, the 13 Cup run, the 14 Presidents Trophy, and then falling off a cliff, I think a lot of people had no patience, uh, myself included, about because it was such a drastic fall, right? It was such a drastic falling off the cliff. It wasn't like, you know, eight uh, seed, sixteenth eight seed fall of the playoffs. It was best team in the league out of the playoffs. Yeah. So that's why I, I think Don might have got a bad shake. You know what I mean? He didn't really get his opportunity because. Everybody was pretty pissed off from the Shirelli fallout, right? Mm -hmm. uh, kind of what he left him. I said he always he left him um, hundred foot mountain of shit with a teaspoon. I mean that's exactly what he had to deal with. So um, I think I mean even when he kept, when he had to keep those three draft picks and pick them in a row in the first round, I was like, what is he doing? Well, right? He's in the lineup going, playing on the first line now. Yeah, right. I know they're going after I think uh, what Hannafin and they didn't get him. Um, but yeah, so you got Dabrowski's play. He may, he's already uh, you know come to fruition. He's already in the lineup. 
Uh, was Zaboral's doing pretty deep? I mean, you tell me because I'm not really following him. In the, uh, he's doing okay. You know, he has a chance to maybe see some time up here, depending on how he performs for sure. I mean, he, he went deep in the camp. And the other kids in Providence, right? Yeah. yeah, they got a lot of kids in Providence that could come up. I mean, they just called one up, uh, Donton Hine. Uh, oh, the kid, you know, the kid they drafted, which is Cision. Jeez. Zach Cision? Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, so, I think they're all, you know, they're, they're pushing on the door, and they've got guys, like you said, that have already entered the lineup that are having an impact and, and are in position to have a bigger impact. You know, it, it's uh, the future's bright. I mean, and you just got to be patient. Yeah. yeah, you know, I think, you know, I think, uh, as we said, wild cards definitely within their reach. Um, I, I think you made a good point when you did your uh, remote from the Bruins practice. I think it's, uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of, you know, a lot of growing pains here. There's going to be, especially, I mean, think about it too. You know, two of their top four, uh, four centers were out in that, that game against Colorado, right? They, they yeah. had no back. And Patrice no, Bergeron is not playing again. Which sucks. I know. Uh, what's going on there, man? I, I'm kind of worried. I mean, I, I haven't heard anything. This is just my speculation, but I, I just think it's his ankle again. I mean, he's obviously been dealing with a serious ankle issue since last, not this past September, just now, but last September at the World Cup. Did he, he heard that in the World Cup of Hockey yeah, right after. Yeah, so this is, uh, you know, it's just been a nagging thing. I'm sure he's got a couple other uh, bumps and bruises that nag him over the years that he's built. But, you know, the one thing I look at right now, and that that's probably, I would say, there's two things right now that worry me the most about the Bruins, and that's one of them, Patrice Bergeron's health. Yeah, yeah, that's because you know you can have all these kids step up and do it, but I don't know. I don't think they can do it on a you know eighty-two game basis. I think they could do it for at least half the season, but there's going to be like we said, ups and downs. And if you don't have a player like Patrice Bergeron in there to compensate those ups and downs for the for the growing pains of the young kids, you're in trouble. And you know, I I think that's a huge thing to watch right now for the bees because. I, I think there's a lot of optimism around the team, but all of a sudden there's a little nervousness. And, you know, you look at the other thing is Zanino Char. He, he's been all right the first two games. Yeah, right. special, right? But one thing that worries me, and I know it's only two games. Let's see how it goes on a road trip. Let's see what his time on ice average is when he gets back. But, you know, Kevin Paul DuPont made a good point in a recent column he wrote. And he's like, uh, I thought we were going to try and minimize Char's minutes a bit here. And they're uh, not doing that. It's not like they have injuries on D where they have to compensate and, and have him pick up more minutes. Everything's in place right now for them to gradually minimize his minutes. And right now, I, I think he's the leading ice getter on, on the Bruins on defense. Yeah, you know, and, well, you had Krug out, right? So that, you had to Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. My bad. So, yeah, that is a big thing. Well, you had him out one game. One game. Yeah, he had one game, but you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't watch the game. Like I said the other day, is he wearing? A, I assume he's wearing a shield with the the jaw. Yeah, but but Char played more minutes Monday than he did the first game. So you got Krug back, and yet you still right. They better watch that. That's all I'm saying. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's got he's got tread on those tires. There's no doubt about it. But I mean, honestly, I, I'd rather have him out there than Adam McQuaid. I think Adam McQuaid. I'm See, sorry. I, I think you're wrong, and I thought it was great that Don Sweeney in that interview. Went to bat for Kevin Miller and Adam McQuaid. Well, because you think well, Adam McQuaid is shite, and I'm guaranteeing you, whether you want to admit it or not, it's just a natural tendency of people to do that because of their salary. And it's not Adam McQuaid's no, fault that's not that true. he's making too much money. No, he's injury prone beyond injury prone. I don't think he's played a full season since they won the Cup in 11. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure no, that's you're right. You're right. pretty close. And Kevin Miller and him are the same guy. And I was not a Kevin Miller fan, but at the end of last year, he picked it up and he played yeah. pretty damn well. So Well, okay, that's fine. You know, and you make a good point about the injuries there with McQuaid. But, I mean, let's not say he sucks. He doesn't suck. I think he's a very well, valuable mean, player. If you he's, an NHL, him, he's an NHL defenseman. He's he not an that. NHL defenseman. Are you kidding? Oh, that's what, no, so I, that's said what I said. said. Jimmy. Oh. You got to get the pot of gold out of your ears, laddie. I <laughs> just said he's a, he said he is an NHL defenseman, so he can't suck. Yeah. I think if you use him for what he is, you know, and you don't judge things based on his money and you accept him for what he is, I think he, he lives up to his uh, his billing quite a lot. I agree with you. I think Kevin Miller really developed the end of the year last year. I think those are two serviceable guys, and that's the least you Yeah, they're serviceable. Yeah, I hear you. And, I, and I'm, I'm yeah. happy you took the le- leprechaun joke in stride. That was good. <laughs> um, 
But no, no, I mean, no, absolutely. I mean, their back end, you know, everybody thinks they're going to have the back end like they had in 11. I mean, that's far gone, you know. Oh. Um, McAvoy's coming up, and he's going to be probably the guy in another year. So yeah. um, sure. I'm excited to see him. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, Jimmy, it's exciting now. It wasn't like uh, two years ago when, you know, everything was flatlined and they started shipping out Lucic and changing everything and moving people up. And you got like no hope, and you, you, you mean know, when it's they not rebuilt, like but they on the fly, and they they said they didn't believe in that, and they weren't rebuilding, yeah. and nobody knew what they were talking about. But oh yeah, that's exactly what you did, and and I give them credit; they did a good job at it. And so they're competitive, and they still got things coming. They st- they're still rebuilding on the fly, um, right? For sure. So I, I I think that's a good thing. You look at this trip, and by the time most people listen to this, there'll be a result in the the Bruins Avalanche game uh, Wednesday night. Um, but you have you Arizona game, and Vegas, right? And then you go to Arizona and you go to Vegas. Vegas, I think, as you pointed out in the beginning uh, when we, we hadn't started recording yet, Vegas is really, uh, I, I think, surprised a lot of people out of the gate. But, you know, as my man Peter McGuire said earlier today, I heard him on the radio saying they did a very solid job of not only as they prepared for this season, the expansion draft and what have you, of last year, I, I think, and, and McGuire pointed out, I think he's right, they did a good job of scouting character and yeah, right. leadership. And you need that when you oh, start. Oh, James off. Neal? Uh, I don't know about James Neal. No, he's stepping up now, man. And from all accounts, he went to Oh, he's funny now. I mean, he's Yeah, he, he, I, I don't know if you saw the x-rays of his uh, injury. They didn't even know if he was going to play this year. They almost rescinded that uh, that move there. Like, really? Oh, I didn't get hit by he got hurt in the cup final last year before. Yeah, yeah. So they were they, they were thinking oh, he had a lot of problems. Like there were going to be some problems there. They might even have to like send him back. Um, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, oh. so, you know, what he's doing out of the gate is unreal. Um, I give a lot of credit to the, to the staff there, you know, scouting the players and also to Gerard Gallant. And uh, perfect segue there, my friend. Speaking of the of Vegas Golden Knights... Oh, yes, very exciting. We've got a very special guest coming up right now. I've known him since his days with the Providence Bruins. Uh, he's a he's a great guy, and he, he did a great job. He's now legendary in Bruins lore. He was able to ca- call that cup win. He was oh, able to call that amazing Bergeron goal in Game 7. Oh, God, I still get chills when I hear that. Uh, and uh, he is going to be joining us now after what was a very, very emotional and uplifting night in Las oh. Vegas after the tragedy they went through. Back down into the Vancouver zone with five seconds to go. The exit behind the Canucks net. Get the duck boats ready. Get the duck boats ready. After 39 long years, the Cup is back home. The Bruins are 2011 Stanley Cup champions. And Bergeron on one-timer. Save Reimer. Rebound loose at the top of the crease. Rashad score! Bergeron! The former voice of the Boston Bruins and the new TV voice of the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And he's joining us here on the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media, and that's Dave Gosher. Dave, Joe Gill, Jimmy Murphy here. How you been, my friend? Hey, good, guys. That still sounds kind of odd. You know, the former voice. It still sounds kind of strange to me, but I, uh, I get it. I know what's happening. All things there. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm still having uh, gripped and uh, accept as reality yet, Dave. So I still have that kind of. Uh, um, but also too, all your uh, skits on 98.5, uh, you know, uh, the Karate Kid and all that. Great memories there too. Yeah, well, that was a lot of fun. That was, uh, you know, Tucker and Rich over there. You know, Rich came and he has a long time. About six years ago, we did the first. I think the first one of those, and uh, it was right after the cup. It was right after the Bruins had won the cup, and I want to say there was a stretch of time between the, when they won it and maybe the, I don't know if it been before or after the parade. I can't remember that part, but, uh, yeah, he, yeah, Rich said to me, hey, can you come in this room and call play-by-play of the of movies? Uh, and I said, what the hell are you talking about? You know? <laughs> well, that's what you do, right? That's all you do is just describe it. You see it again. That's all there is to it. I'm like a trained chimp, you know? So. Dave, Dave, the other ones with the uh, marathon runner that couldn't really hold their, uh, you know, I guess the whole the trial. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. that, that, yeah. They had uh, he was disqualified for uh, excrement problems. <laughs> you know, all timer. Those are just that is actually goal. I do. The, I wonder if the people uh, out in Vegas know about your uh, 
your other uh, career. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, we went out to Boston, Boston exclusive, you know. Yeah, oh, exactly. Right. Well, hey, you know, hey, hey, if the radio, I mean, if the TV thing doesn't pan out, Dave, there's plenty of comedy sh- places around there. You could pick up some side work. You'd be all right. If it all falls apart, I could just go to play-by-play movie scenes. I there guess. you go. Yeah. You're in a perfect place. But listen, yeah. listen, Dave, let, so let's uh, let's start off and go back. You know, you're telling us a little offline. Um, you know, you saw this sort of developed over the summer and you get hired. And I, I, I guess just what was it like coming in um, to a team – that had never played before, the, the brand new organization. You're part of that. Uh, just talk to us about the excitement of that, the unknown, and I guess what is still unknown as you as you go forward here. Yeah, and I think you know to a certain extent, honestly, Murph, that drew me to it a, a, a great deal. I mean, it was to be starting something new and different. And uh, and I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, the move to television is something that I had been somewhere in the back of my mind for a while, and. Uh, but that being said, you know, no, until uh, I guess the early August, no one had ever offered me a TV play-by-play job full-time. So, you know, I had done packages of games here and there. Um, so to come out here and be a part of this, and, um, you know, I think a lot of people out here kind of liken it to a startup company to a certain extent. But it's, you know, it's a startup company that, you know, they pay $500 million to get in the NHL. So they've got a lot on the line. and um, But it's been for me, really refreshing to see a lot of a lot of hungry people, a lot of young people that I think are really committed to making this work, and and quite honestly, put put a hell of a lot of work into it. You know, much more than you know me strolling in here. You know, about a month ago, I mean, all the all the real hard work was done. You know, many many months before I showed up. So, you know, I'm I'm happy that the early returns have been really good, and I'm happy for them because uh, you know, as they say, they're the ones that really put the work into this. Dave, obviously, uh, as they got closer to the season, I'm sure that, you know, we'll, we'll get to the tragic events of the last week and then what happened in the uh, home opener there in a bit. But as they build closer to this, give us a, a sort of an inside feel of what the anticipation and excitement was amongst fans, amongst people in the city. Because I know that, you know, there were some question marks from around the NHL and the sports world. Can a pro sports team survive in Vegas and are the other people that live there really going to care? Are they going to have enough of a real home fan base there? Or is it just going to be, you know, guys from Boston doing it when they're on a vacation in New York and Canada, what have you? What has the the feeling been amongst the community there as this has gotten closer? Yeah, everybody that I've talked to has been just incredibly psyched about it, you know. And I, I think that uh, my understanding is they're probably going to sell it every game this year. Or wow. if not every game close to it. Yeah, wow. and I... Um, I think at last check they had 14,000 season ticket holders. And, you know, as they say, guys, they, they put on just a, one hell of a push to, to get this, you know, to get this franchise. And also to, you know, they had to get, a I think it was 10,000 season tickets um, right off the bat just to even be considered. And um, everyone I've run across, you know, and just kind of my day-to-day going from, you know, point A to point B, um, you know, couldn't wait for this to get going. I mean, I think they've wanted their own team for a, for a long, long time. So, you know, and again, that is something that kind of drew me to it, to be the, the TV announcer for the first ever sports team in Vegas, you know, and kind of the, the entertainment capital of the world. I mean, not for nothing, but this is, uh, you know, one of the unique places on the planet, as you guys know. So yeah. um, I think people have been just um, incredibly pumped for it. Um and, you know, as they say, uh, you know, the, the crowd last night was, uh, you know, a lot went into it, obviously, with uh, those horrendous events uh, of October 1st. But uh, they were so, I mean, the, the first preseason game they had there, they they, they pretty close to sold out. So, That's great. Um, you know, so far it's been great. And I, I know they're committed to, to building this long term and, and having it be a, a successful franchise. They've got some great people, at, you know, kind of running it from Bill Foley right out of that through you know, Larry Craven and George McPhee and, and Kelly McCrimmon. I mean, and that, that's another thing that I, I found it enticing was that people that I have a lot of respect for that, um, that I thought, you know, knew certainly what they were doing and what it takes to be successful in this league. Yeah. For so sure. Dave, what, um, what suite did they put you up in and what hotel? Where, where are you living at? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I came out here. Everything was pretty much over the phone interview wise, but when I came out here, I guess at the end of August, the, Look at some places potentially live. It was over the Red Rock Casino. I wasn't exact. I wasn't on the trip, but Red Rock is a pretty, uh, 
pretty good spot right off the strip in Summerlin. So uh, nice. there's no shortage of places, that's for sure. So, uh, another question, too. I mean, I think the appeal of the team, too, of course, are the people that live there, but the fans that are evidently going to travel to Vegas to follow their teams. Yeah. I think you're going to have a lot of Bruins fans there on Sunday. Yeah, I would agree with you. You know, and I think uh, I've already got uh, a lot of texts and emails from different people that, you know, that was the other thing. Was that certainly, yeah, I was going to be picking up and moving, and there's a lot to that, but it's, it's a place that, you know, either Bruins fans or family and friends are certainly going to, you know, it's a place they wouldn't mind visiting. The same oh, no doubt. No so, doubt. Yeah, so I think that was uh, that made it pretty appealing as well. You know, I wasn't moving to I wasn't moving to Jupiter. I was moving to a place <laughs> that's pretty uh, a Winnipeg uh, or uh, yeah. Yeah, well, there's some other stops on the tour that probably uh, aren't as nice to visit in the winter. So hey. um, that was part of it too. E- easy on Winnipeg, there, Joe. You know, you know where his uh, his co-host is from, right? Where you? Oh, well, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Good old Shane Knight. Would you rather be sitting by a pool and plugging in your car? I mean, yeah. Well, there wasn't. I don't think it was much to ponder for the old sheriff there. When, uh, from a climate standpoint, from a personal standpoint, it was it was a it's a tough. You know, he's from that area, so it's uh, right. But I, I think the winters in Vegas are going to be a tad more enticing than the winters in Winnipeg. Yeah, you know? for sure. Or even in Boston, for sure, or Boston. Yeah. D- Dave, um, you look at that te- the team on the ice, and, and let's just talk, they're off to a 3-0-0 start. Uh, I-, I think surprising a lot of people right here out of the gate. And yes, it's early, and there's a long season ahead. Um, but I heard Pierre Maguire, uh, the, uh, actually today uh, he was talking on Montreal Radio, and he said one thing that he thought that the whole staff there that you mentioned in Vegas did a great job of was not just looking at the analytics or the stats and uh, the big name players, but also doing a lot of investigating and scouting into the character uh, and the leadership type of players that they were bringing in. And it appears right out of the gate, they've got a good quantity of those. Yeah, they do. You know, it's funny. I, I think they one of the things that yeah, Gerard Gallant talked about a lot was they wanted from the beginning good people. And I, I think they were committed to building this team with, with good um, good human beings. And you know, especially in light of recent events. I mean, that has certainly come to the forefront. But For sure. And I also think maybe to a degree, guys, I mean, I think some, some of the players have talked about this. I mean, some of them have a bit of a chip on their shoulder. I mean, not all, but most on this team were left unprotected in the expansion draft. And I think they feel that they've got something to prove. So, you know, to your point, though, it is early. Look, I mean, they they played three games. Um, we didn't do the game last night because it was on NBCSN, but – you know, the first two in Dallas, the first one in Dallas, uh, Mark Andre Fleury was unbelievable and gave them a chance to win. And James Neal came up big in the third period. And then uh, I thought they dominated most of the game the next night. Uh, their second game they played in Arizona, and um, and and deserved to win. And, and Neal came up, uh, you know, big form again in that game. So in overtime. Um, so yeah, it's and I will say too, fellas, it's it's not like you know the expansion teams of 15 or 20 years ago. I mean, the way the expansion rules were kind of put together this time around, they were going to get some pretty good players. I mean, right. you know, Mark, you know, Jonathan Marsh is still at 30 goals in Florida last year. James Neal's a perennial at least 20 goal guy. Um, Riley Smith has had his good seasons in the NHL. Um, somebody like mm-hmm. Nate Schmidt, uh, who's, you know, good young defenseman in Washington. And again, you know, they've got a guy that's won three Stanley Cups in that in, in, in Flurry. So, um, you know, I think that's kind of, that's helped them too. This is, you know, it's not like it was, you know, back back uh, many many years ago. So, Dave, uh, you were uh, of course in Boston, 2013, with the tragedy of the marathon, and you were there as well uh, after October one. What happened at the uh, Country Fest show there? Um, I already seen, you know, from a distance, all the Golden Knights are playing, and it's kind of it feels like that. Even with the 2013 Red Sox, if you remember, it's just sports really kind of bonds people, brings people together put smiles on their faces when you, they didn't think they could smile. Um, I know it's really in uh, three games of the season, but do you feel that there may be a little bit of magic there that could really help that city heal? Yeah, I certainly hope so, Joe. I mean, you know, look, I, as you said, I mean, being, um, you know, we all lived through that, the marathon bombings in 2013, and I think that one of the things I've mentioned here is that I do think sports can help, you know, and, um, you know, the Bruins were at the, as you remember, the Bruins, that was that lockout short year. They, they were supposed to have a game that night. And, yeah, um, that. you know, that got, got canceled, obviously. And then um, played the, uh, on the Wednesday. That Against was the Buffalo. Rene Rancourt let, yeah, the yep. Rene Rancourt let the crowd sing the anthem, which is still, mm-hmm. 
you know, it gives me goosebumps even if you're thinking about it. Um, and then they had a game canceled on the Friday because the manhunt was, was still going on. So there was, I guess my point that I tried to make to people here, and, you know, we all remember David Ortiz pretty he wasn't going to leave much doubt as to whose city it was. If I remember, <laughs> it was in Fenway, you know. So, um, and I think the Celtics were still in season then. I think they might have been yeah. in the playoffs. So I, th- I just think all those teams, um, you know, they 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 helped. I think people, um, you know, try to heal as, as best you can. Look, it's far from a cure all, and I understand that. And that's what I've tried to kind of stress here. But I just think it gives people something else to to focus on for two or three hours a day right. and, you know, get away from all the pain and get away from, um, you know, everything that's happened a little bit and Hey, look, and, and if they go right back to it, then that, that's understandable, but at least it's a little bit of a reprieve from, um, you know, just the, the dreadful events that happened here. You know, we had, we had three people in our office that were at that concert that yeah. fortunately got out um, safely, but, you know, they saw things that, you know, no humans, you know, should ever see. So, um, it it hits, um, you know, it hits pretty close to home, obviously. And I, I felt the same, you know, the Monday that was on a Sunday night, obviously uh, the Monday here, just, uh, you know, kind of that stunned silence and people walking around just kind of in a daze. And it it brought me right back to those days, uh, you know, kind of right after the marathon. Joe, you got a fall up there, Joe? Yeah, I just, it was just, uh, I saw the highlights, uh, uh, the uh, footage of when they brought all the first responders out the game last night. I thought that was uh, utmost class. And, really, you know, end of the day, people think athletes are heroes, but at the end of the day, they're really not. It's the uh, first responders, you know, uh, the police, the firefighters, the, you know, the medical uh, staff, things like that. Those are the true heroes. Well, yeah, I mean, they, you know, I, I got to tell you guys, I mean, they, you know, if you think about from an organizational standpoint, the people that kind of run the, um, the game night entertainment and right. uh, they, oh, they yeah. do a phenomenal job. They, they had, had to pull a 180, eh? They, yeah, they had to switch everything. I mean, yeah. they had the chance. So it's the first ever, you know, your home opener is your home opener. It's right. the first home game in the history of the franchise. So they had to shift everything. Wow. Uh, they're going to do most of that Friday night um, against, uh, before the game against Detroit. But, you know, they had to change everything. And uh, so I, you know, I can't say enough good things. I mean, people are a hell of a lot smarter than me, and it wouldn't take a lot <laughs> to to plan a night like that um, in the emotion of it. But I thought, you know, to keep it very respectful, and I mm-hmm. I think the thing that probably got to me the most was the 15th of silence. Oh, my God. People that, that, you know, we lost out here. But, you know, yeah. it also, I think, was, um, you know, then you always want to have the team that react because it is such an emotional thing. But I think, if anything, it drew a lot of uh, – inspiration from it but they certainly they certainly played that way I and mean, the game was over yeah, in about definitely. 11 minutes they scored four goals so uh so yeah it was it was awesome for to come out of a ceremony like that um and then see you know the team play as well as they did and i want to say guys i i thought you know one of the things that stood out to me was was derek england and the way he spoke there and sort of took it upon himself to to step out from the rest of the players there and, and you know, seize that moment and, and be a leader there. Like I, he's he was amazing. I would put the C on his jersey right now, Gosh, if I was at the Golden Knights. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's uh, you know he's a guy too that you know he's lived here the last fourteen summers. You know, this is yeah. his home. He uh, he had his wife here when he was playing with the East Coast League when Vegas just had the East Coast League came back. Uh, you know, two thousand three, two thousand four, I guess it was. And you know, they wanted. Well, look, that's as you guys know, that's not. From a player standpoint, that is not their forte to grab a microphone in front of eighteen thousand people, you know. And um, so, yeah, and I, I thought he kept it short and sweet and yeah. and right on the money. And uh, you know, and then <laughs> you know, you couldn't write the script any better. And then you know, he's he's not a guy that you're going to count on to score a lot of goals, but he you know he ripped in. I think it was the second goal of the game, yeah. which was just uh, just phenomenal. So it was great stuff. And, and you know, I, I thought an interesting. I forget who the player was I saw, Dave, but I mean, you might even be experiencing this yourself because you're new to the city as well. So many of these guys aren't like England, you know, and so many of them have only visited here and not really understood or felt the the community uh, that probably a lot of us don't see. I mean, we go there as tourists. We're there to have fun, gamble, do whatever, see the sights. But I don't think we know that there is, it is an actual city, you know, and I, I, I forget it's killing me right now, but one of the players was like, you know, I, I just didn't understand how tight knit this city is right now. And to see right. the way they've come together, 
has been amazing to me. I'm wondering, have you experienced that as well, just sort of learning more about the community through this? Yeah. Well, you know, and I had what I think most people, you know, hey, we've all been to Vegas and you do your thing, right? You go up and down the strip for four days. Yeah, and you need to go home. But, <laughs> you know, it's, um, I think that's an experience of just kind of coming here for a long weekend. But to, to live here, look, I've only been here a month, but there's a hell of a lot more to it than just, you know, just the Vegas Strip and you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, how scenic it is. I mean, you know, you get out towards Red Rock Canyon and Summerlin. It's just a gorgeous area in the mountains. And, um, but I also think I, I can't remember. It's probably more than one player that said it's a big city but a small community. You know, yep. and yeah. that's kind of the feeling I've gotten is um, people have, you know, to me have been incredibly welcoming. And, and I think for the players, I mean, the, the odd thing about the timing of all this is you're right. I mean, outside of Derek England, this area is new to everybody. You know, yeah. it's, you know, the players had only been here a couple of weeks. They had played preseason games. We had a preseason game that night, um, earlier that night, the night of the shootings. And, and Shane Knighty and I actually drove right by Mandalay Bay probably an hour before everything happened. So it, it's just, um, it was, you know, that's the part that it, it was new to everybody. But I think if, if anything, when something like that happens, I think it even, maybe there are even more galvanized and want to be part of the community and you know george mcphee said that guys the first meeting they had the next day guys were coming forward you know they they were stepping up and they were speaking and they were saying look we're, we're going to do anything we, we have to do to yeah. try to help people which which i thought was awesome i, I think uh exactly what show with the say is when you saw the next day the people waiting in line to get blood i mean that was in, unbelievable it was great stuff Hey, hey, Dave, let, let's talk, uh, before we let you go here, let's go back to some of your time in Boston there. And uh, obviously, we already referenced it there that year of the marathon bombings. And then, of course, the Bruins uh, have that amazing comeback against Toronto and then go to the final that year. But going back, I mean, it, it's got to be tough, obviously, for you to pinpoint other than, you know, maybe that year and the cup winning year. But what else uh, stands out to you from your time calling the games uh, for the Boston Bruins in 98.5, the sports up? Yeah, I think that's most of it, Murph. I mean, look, I you know, I did the game 17 years, and it's, uh, you know, especially, I guess, from the time Claude Julien took over in 2007, I mean, they actually they built a team that was a, a championship team and, a you know, a team that contended to win it again in 13. And I think those are the probably the things I remember the most. I mean, that, um, you know, that cup run in 11, the mm-hmm. first-round series against Montreal where they won three of the four games, they won in overtime. Um, you know, the Nathan Horton with some enormous goals in that series, including game seven and game five and double overtime. That one, I think that gets lost in the shuffle sometimes is that he scored a double oh, overtime yeah. in game five against Montreal, right? And, uh, you know, the game seven in Tampa Bay won nothing, which still might be oh, the best team. game I've seen in person, right? I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. And, um, you know, the whole series against Vancouver that year, I mean, I, uh, a buddy of mine from back home had come out to Vancouver for the first two games of that series. And, you know, they lost the first two games. We were sitting having a beer afterwards and thinking, Jesus, they, you know, they got a ways to go to win four out of five. And, and sure enough, they did. So, yeah, I think those are, you know, the comeback against Toronto was unbelievable. I think the parade in 2011, that's probably the other thing that I, right. I would think about the most. I mean, I think every time to this day, I go down uh, Boylston Street, I think of it, you know, that yeah. Boylston Street's one way you know, this way, if you know what I mean, but they, they, they closed the traffic and the, the parade route went the other way down Boylston Street. And I just remember people packed in 25 and 30 deep and hanging out of windows and, you know, standing <laughs> on top of the bus stop. I mean, it was just hanging out of trees. I, I mean, I was 38 years old. Boys, was it was unbelievable, you know. <laughs> I was crying at 38 years old and it was okay. It was completely okay. Cause yeah. Because, right. you know, yeah, I, I never right. saw a cup. So, I mean, uh, it, it was just unbelievable. And, you know, honestly, I thought there were going to be more because I thought with the nucleus there and we don't want to get into it with uh, Jimmy because he likes Peter Shirelli a lot. And I don't want to upset him, but it just felt like there was going to be a dynasty. I don't know. Did you feel like the, the Bruins could have got a couple more out of that, that run or it's, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think so. You know, the, um, you know, I'm trying to think back. I mean, the next year in 12, they lost to the Capitals in the first round. Yeah. Um, yep. Awards is a big upset in seven games, right? With, with Joe Ward scoring, and um, I don't think there's any question they were kind of worn out, I think, from the, Hang the on, long man. run of winning it the year before, yeah. And then, you know, that 13 team, 
you know, if you remember, they were you know, up three to one against Toronto in that series. And then the next thing you know, they're down four goals with 11 minutes left in game seven. And, you know, had to come back for the ages. And that really kind of spurred them on. But they were a pretty cool Julius. They were a Jekyll and Hyde team for that, that shortened year. I mean, some nights they looked like they would never lose. And other nights you really kind of shook your head. So, um, but that kind of galvanized that group. I mean, they went on and, uh, you know, they beat the Rangers in five and they swept Pittsburgh in the conference final. And, and then had a great series with Chicago. But, um, you know, and I think probably that next year was the one that really kind of stung because yeah, they yeah. Was, that was the year they won the President's Trophy, right? Mm-hmm. And then lost to Montreal in the second round in seven. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, I mean, I think it was probably a combination of things, guys. And, I, yeah, you, you hope maybe they, they um, you know, maybe they go on a run like Chicago of, uh, you know, three cups in six yeah, years. Or L.A. won a couple of cups in a, in a five- or six-year period. Well, two cups in three years, but you know what I mean. Like, it's right. – um, but, you know, for a variety of reasons um, – you know, they lost some players to free agency. They, you know, they made some trades that probably, uh, you know, didn't work out the way that most people wanted them to work out. I mean, but, hey, those things, they happen as, as you try to build teams and, and build teams to win. And, I, you know, I, I will say that, you know, um, I certainly think they're on the right road. I mean, with um, some of these young yeah, guys sure. that come in, I, you know, I've kind of kept an eye Sorry. on, you know, Jake DeBrosk and, and uh, Anders Bjork and Charlie McAvoy I saw firsthand last year against the Ottawa Senators in that series, so... I certainly think Donnie Sweeney and his staff have them, you know, pointed in the in the right direction, which is a good thing. I got to ask you, Dave, before we let you go here, uh, just going back to those two memories you said are probably up there: the the cup winning game there in Game Seven, Vancouver, and then the, the Bergeron goal. Wow. As an announcer, how many times do you leading into something like that? Do you envision that? And then how different is it when it actually inha- it actually happens there? Well, yeah, there were two different experiences, Murph. You know, like the the, the comeback against Toronto, I mean, was, you know, was ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> I remember looking, I remember looking at my phone with like uh, 12 minutes left. And I, I don't know, I was looking at my phone during a commercial break or something and I was getting pissed because I had friends texting me saying, this sucks. Do you want to play golf tomorrow? You know, whatever. And then <laughs> I kind of put the phone thinking. away. Like I pushed it away from myself, you know. And then when they came, I don't know, they get it to four to three or maybe it was after they tied the game. You know, Bergeron tied it. I, I looked at my phone, and the tone of the text changed dramatically. You know, yeah, uh, Boston fans, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So that, the Bergeron was just really, uh, you know, kind of an organic, uh, visceral reaction to like, yeah, I can't believe they just won this game. Uh, and plus, you know, I, my, I just like, you know, I, I think so much of Patrice as a, as a person. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've known him since he came to the league when he was eighteen. So. Um, the duck boats was something that was just kind of floating around in my mind. I'm not a big fan of like, um, you know, this is exactly what you're going to say. Cause I, I just think it sounds, it sounds that way, you know, right, and, right, um, right. but you got to remember at that point in time, you know, the Red Sox had won two world series in that period of time. And the Celtics had won it yeah. and the Pats had won it three times. So I was just kind of like, you know, that was what I kept thinking is now the Bruins are going to have their own parade. So that's kind of what, what came out. But, okay. uh, you yeah, know, there's yeah. different experiences. Those kind of the ones I think I, I certainly, you know, hear about, you know, hear about the most. And I, you well, know, you'll probably write some in Vegas too. You'll probably have some of the Craig calls in Vegas as well. So, yeah, somebody texted me after I got the job and said you might have to say something like get the slop machine ready or something. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. Right. Into it, you know. Yeah. That's right. Meet us at the buffet at the Mandalay. You know, is it whatever? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what, Dave? I remember you back, and that's I think that's when I met you through our uh, mutual friend and your colleague, then Tommy Hohall. And I remember meeting you in '99 when the you were calling nice. the P Bruins and. Uh, they had won it. I met you back then. And I, I, I got to say, right. yeah, I, I got to say, it's been, you, you've been on a hell of a ride, and here you are in Vegas, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best, my friend, and I appreciate you joining us. No, my pleasure, guys. Good to be with you, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll connect here soon enough. My yeah, pleasure. for sure. Thanks and anytime you're back in Boston, we'll be here. Have a good man. Good luck out there. All right, guys. So we'll talk to you. You bet. Take care. Dave Gosher, the former voice of the Boston Bruins and now the TV voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, joining us here on the Bruins Beat on CLNS. This has been another great episode. It was good times, Joe. One one quick thing, Jim. One quick thing. Yeah. I I just want to uh, take this moment. I know it's not hockey, but I just want to take this moment to thank the New England Patriots uh, for doing something great. Uh, As you may know, uh, it's Cancer Month. Uh, I am a thyroid uh, cancer survivor. I was at stage three. I had a tumor in my neck that probably resembled a, a small baby's head. Um, and I was chosen as a season ticket holder to be on the field for the Atlanta Falcons during the Patriots game 
which is going to be a thrill of a lifetime. So these are great things about sports, right, Jimmy? We just talked about Dave that can lift you up, can really uh, make you feel great and really get you through tough times. So that's just a little. Yeah. Thank you. No, it's great stuff. And, and that is, that's why I love covering it. That's why we love cheering for it. And, uh, you know, it's good stuff. And, hey, that was uh, that was great to hear from Ghost there. And Definitely. We got a heck of a season ahead of us, I think, Joe. So uh, I look forward to more of these on CLNS. This has been the Bruins Beat with Joe Gill and Jimmy Murphy. Go Bruins. Ladies and gentlemen, athletes are often referred to as heroes. Tonight, as we introduce your Vegas Golden Knights, we'd like to introduce our heroes. The heroes of Las Vegas. Those people whose actions on 1 October will forever remind us of the best of humankind. emotion obviously this week and, and I think what we hope to try to do a little bit tonight is to help people to heal a little bit. Extra attacker on for the Golden Knights during a delayed penalty. Neal shot deflected score! James Neal let it go during a delayed penalty and the first goal in Golden Knights history ties the game. Under three minutes to go he can up the middle into the Dallas end feeds it to Neal shot score! James Neal from both knees puts it over Lennon to give Vegas the lead. That's it. In their first ever game in the National Hockey League, the expansion Vegas Golden Knights do what very few expansion teams do, and that is win in their debut. Just what you want.